0: The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon,
1: period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived, and in the last days neither your heart nor your faith will fail you.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast. This is episode 162 and as always you have your hosts Kevin and Shelby here. Hey there. And today we have a guest. We told you all we were going to make this the year of guest and we are delivering. And so our guest we have today is Meg Bentley. We got to connect through Instagram. So we're super excited to have you Meg and we would love to have you introduce yourself to our followers.
2: Well, thank you. I am absolutely thrilled to be here. I'm a big fan of your guys's podcast, so I'm fangirling a little bit, Um, but a little bit about myself. So I served my mission in Los Angeles and I did not want to come home. It was literally the city of angels. I just had the best time. However, when I did come home, I met my husband, love of my life. I'm convinced he's one of the three Nephites. He's just that good. (laughs) He's wonderful. And then we have our two sons, Dawson and Levi. And at one point, it was two under two, so two little toddlers. It was pretty chaos and crazy, but yeah, our home is full of laughter and crafting and glitter and fighting, (laughs) all the things. Um, In 2020, it was like a really crazy kind of bleak time for the world, and I was cleaning out some of my stuff, and I found a journal where when I was 12, I wrote that I wanted to start a show called Eggs with (laughs) Meg, And... I was like looking at my little doodles and and the whole concept when I was 12 and like my 12 year old brain was that it was going to be a talk show and the prophet would come on and I would share my testimony. But that was about all I had. I like to bake with like my easy bake. I'm a terrible baker now, which is why it's ironic. But now what it's kind of become in 2020, the Lord just kind of impressed on my heart that. I need to do this on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and just on all the platforms, just try to do my best to share scrambled testimony, sunny side up thoughts and cook up crafts and optimism and hope and just kind of um, be a source of light. And honestly, in 2020, when I started this, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. I was really grateful that it led me to do Instant Institute. It's an institute uh, class on Instagram where we just talk about "Come Follow Me." So that's been really neat to be able to accommodate to different schedules and moms that maybe necessarily aren't in school but just need a little spiritual dose in their day. And then that kind of led to doing the show called "Good Things Utah." I did a little segment with crafts, so that was fun. Um, And now it kind of morphed into Exit Meg Marketing. So I feel like Exit Meg is just my brand, and it's just kind of everywhere in different aspects, but hopefully the, the goal of it is just to bring people to be uplifted and closer to Christ. And I love studying the scriptures. So thanks for letting eggs with Meg party with you.
0: I absolutely love that so much. I feel like I get what you mean, not wanting to leave your mission. Like that was, I did not want to go home. I, I almost asked if I could extend, you know, cause had heard of people extending their missions, but Man, discussing the scriptures, doing Instant Institute, what you're doing, definitely still sharing the gospel and being a missionary. So I love that so much. So We're excited to have you, and I'm glad we got to meet. It's it's going to be fun. It's so cool to connect and just meet with other saints all over the world that share the desires. You know, we have one purpose, and that's to just invite others to come unto Christ. And I can see that, and I can hear it in your voice, and I love it. <laughs> Well, we're in Helaman chapter 15. I don't even think I said that to everybody. So that's where we're at. And I think we're going to just go ahead and dive right in. And Kevin, if you have any thoughts, you want to take us away? We've been talking a lot, so now it's your turn.
1: <laughs> well, it is It is a pleasure to have you on and to meet you. Uh, Shelby set this whole thing up. And so um, now it's, uh, I get to benefit from it, right? <laughs> so um. Yeah, chapter fifteen, book of Helaman. We've been, you know, this is smack dab in the middle of Samuel the Lamanite and his prophecies uh, concerning the coming of Christ uh, in, in mortality, his death, and really, you know, his mission. And that's really where we find ourselves in chapter fifteen. You know, it's it's really about the mission of Jesus Christ which is to provide a way for all of us heavenly fathers children uh, a way back to his presence despite the fallen world and all of the things that we go through here on earth and uh, you know although it doesn't detail every step of the plan of salvation you know that's that's really to me the, the therefore what of this chapter. This morning Shelby and I were, were just preparing a little bit and I, I asked her, like what, what is the therefore what? Boyd K. Packer, he would often ask that question when he was there with all of his brethren in the in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. He would he would ask that question and what he was asking was, what is the spiritually significant difference that this is going to make whatever they were talking about as a quorum what difference spiritually would that make for the people the members of the church and all of God's children right and Shelby responded saying it's the the Lord's mercy and justice
0: I said that because um I had read it he well I didn't do as much per preparation as I should have so he's like hey you should you should you meant be in the right direction right <laughs> and so I started reading and I highlighted every time the word repent came up in this verse where specifically the phrase except you shall repent or except you repent and I thought wow that's like repeated a lot throughout this verse is repentance and that's where I felt that the message of this chapter was, uh, his mercy, but also his justice. Cause he does say, you know, if you don't do these things, you know, it's not going to be good. But if you repent, like that's the way that i provided for you. So that's where that answer came from in studying a little bit more in depth. Did you have any thoughts that stood out to you? I
2: love that. I'm in the same spiritual boat as you guys. Like we're all just chugging along. Cause I sort of was drawn to the idea of repentance too. I think for me, repentance is one of the mysteries of God. <laughs> It's something that is so simple, but I don't think I'll ever be able to fully grasp. And I think I spent a lot of my life trying to just avoid it. Like I did not want to have to repent. But one thing that life has taught me is that repentance isn't a plan B. It is the plan. It is a plan of love. It is a plan that God has given us to turn to him and to change. And I just can't imagine at the end of my life being face to face with Christ and telling him I rejected the most beautiful gift he wanted to give me. And I feel like the Nephites in these chapters, they're kind of just denying that gift of repentance because there were people when Samuel the Lamanite preached that listened and then were baptized and converted. And there were others that didn't, but they all heard. So I think the difference was that they were willing to repent and the other ones, you know, weren't. So,
0: yeah, I love that. It's true. And they, and this is like I said, or like Kevin said, it's in the middle of Samuel the Lamanite speaking, but just the... Really the first few verses I, I really loved the end of verse three, where he talks about when he's calling them to repentance, it's him chastening them, right? And it can kind of almost feel like you're getting beat down in a way. But at the end he clarifies, um, he chasteneth them, yea, in the days of their iniquities, he chasteneth he chastened them because he loveth them. And so I think that's a key to remembering repentance is it's a wave he loves us. He wants us to come back to him. And when we remember that everything he does is out of, it's for benefit of us to come back to him, it makes it a little bit easier to want to repent and follow him. And I love that clarification in verse three, he chasteneth who he loveth, right? And so I just love that.
1: Something that I've been picking up through Samuel's prophecies and, and his preaching. Is he'll often bring up the word intent. And we if we I guess did a spot survey of the church and and said, hey, Book of Mormon, intent, go. You'd probably find most people would bring up Moroni chapter ten, right? With pure or real intent, you know, believing you know, believing that this could be true right? Ask with that real intent. And that's interesting. And I think that's more of like the adjective intent, right? But what Samuel is using is the noun intent for this intent. It is the Lord's intent. And I thought, well, I want to know exactly what that means. And Something that a very good friend of the podcast and a friend of Shelby and I, uh, Mr. Paul Anderson of Book of Mormon's, uh, Book of Mormon Study Notes blog, he said that when he studies the Book of Mormon, he occasionally goes and uses the uh, 19, or excuse me, 1830, I guess in this, it's specifically 1828 Webster's Dictionary. And he goes and he he finds the definition of that word as it would have been to the prophet Joseph Smith, because the Holy Ghost uh, and the power of God, you know, he was translating this record with the language of his day, and uh, luckily it hasn't changed so dramatically. Right, we're not talking about like Shakespearean times or something. <laughs> but I go and find that, and I want to share it. The noun of intent. Says literally the stretching of the mind towards an object, a design, a purpose, or meaning. And it also says applied to persons or things. So, you know, and not to, not to spend too much time on that, but as I read uh, with that in mind, uh, specifically, Going back to the previous chapter, uh, to to chapter 14, verse 28, when Samuel says that the angel had said unto him, and, and that many shall see great things, and it says, to the intent that they might believe that these signs and these wonders should come to pass upon all the face of this land to the intent that there should be no cause for unbelief among the children of men. So it's kind of like the Lord's design that these prophecies especially are giving every opportunity for the people to repent. Hmm.
2: That's interesting. Thank you for sharing that. And I think intent has a lot to do with our choices too, And it's interesting because if you look at all the different ways that Samuel tried to reach them, I mean, he talks about the judgment and he talks about the signs, but in verse 15, one of the first things he mentions is that your houses can be left desolate in verse one. So I think he's kind of touching on like your families. like, this is not just going to affect you. Your choices are going to affect your posterity. And how different would we live our life if we knew what we did directly affected our kids? And it does. And like, I think for me, when you talk about that soul stretching and that stretching of your mind, what, what, what I hope that can accomplish is that I can like look beyond the the mortal (laughs) compounds of this life and like, think about have more of a spiritual lens and like allow my soul to, to be in tune with those spiritual things. And when I think about my choices affecting my posterity, I've always been able to really feel the presence of my kids And even before they were earth side, like I can just feel them. And whether or not you have kids, whoever's tuning in or listening, you have angels and you have people that are watching you. You have posterity that came before you that's praying that you'll have righteous intent to follow Christ. And so I I feel like if I was in the crowd, that would have hit a chord for me because all of a sudden he's talking about this is going to affect generations to come. This isn't just now. So thanks for bringing that up. That was cool.
0: I love that you said that. It reminds me we do another podcast called Conference Talk, and we did an episode where we talked about lasting discipleship and uh, patterns of discipleship, and it was with Elder Lund, sorry President Lund, and Elder Sitati. And I feel like the what you just said about decisions and impacting your families, we focused a lot about how your decision to follow Christ will directly influence, especially your children. It will influence your or influence you. It will influence your children, but it goes further than that. Like it's your children's children and your children's children and it just keeps going. Right. And that is a very powerful why and motivator to keep going on the path of discipleship. Right. Because you know that they are going to look to you. I mean, my mom is going through some things right now. She listens to this podcast. So, Hey mom. And her first thought when she was going through, when she's going through this trial right now in her life was to go to the temple because her mom, my grandma who passed away when I was 15 said, you can always find me in the temple. And so that, I guess, you know, the temple her, her ancestors are literally pointing her to Christ, right? And decisions that my grandma have made have been helping my mom, you know, go through these things. And so I just feel like that's really important to remember when we're on a journey of discipleship, right? We're going to have highs. We're going to have lows. Uh, but as we keep that focus on the covenant path, like President Nelson has restated over and over again that it helps us become who he wants us to become and that will directly influence our children and their children and so on and so forth. So yeah, I love that.
1: <laughs> well to pull on that thread of family and very much the Lord using family relationships to you know turn our hearts to him and to, to the, to the savior by turning our hearts to one another, Uh, along the chain of of the generations, in verse four, well, three and four, but to kind of move through the chapter, you know, first in verse three, it talked about the, the Nephites being loved, and because they were loved, they were chastened, meaning they were being reminded of the Lord and all that he's done for them, his promises to them, and so on and so forth. But in verse four, it talks about the Lamanites, their brethren. And Samuel, a Lamanite, uses some pretty harsh words here. He says, Behold, my brethren, the Lamanites, hath he the Lord hated because of their deeds uh, or because their deeds have been evil continually, and this because of the iniquity of the tradition of their fathers. And so there's a reason there, right? He doesn't hate them just because he doesn't like them. It's because of a systemic, you know, forgetfulness, and thereby uh, evil, evil deeds. But behold, he says, salvation hath come unto them through the preaching of the Nephites. And for this intent hath the Lord prolonged their days. And that's something else Samuel talks about, prolonging the days of the unrighteous so that they have more time to repent.
0: And that's where I saw a lot of the mercy, right, that the Lord provides. Just because, you know, your parents may not have followed or listened, and it trickled down through the generations to you. He's not going to be like, okay, well, you're you're damned forever because of what your parents did. No, He's going to give you an opportunity to come unto Him, and it's going to be through, you know, at this point was the preaching of the Nephites, right, coming unto them, and that's important. And He even talks about later on. In this chapter about the restoration, I'm trying to find the verse, but he talks about how there will be a restoration that will come and that the Lamanites will have the gospel preached unto them, right? And that's powerful too, because we see that prophecy being fulfilled today, right? This is happening now, it's been happening. And so I just think that is such a powerful blessing that the Lord provides for his children. And it shows that he really does love us. And he wants, he provides every opportunity for us to come into him. We just have to recognize it.
2: Yeah. And I do believe God's love is equal for everyone, but I don't always think the blessings can be because if we're not doing what he's asking us to do, then he can't like, it almost puts a restraint on him. I love the scripture that says I, the Lord am bound when you do what I say. But when ye do not, what I say, ye have no promise. I think that directly correlates to our temple covenants. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I feel like we live in a generation that just doesn't take the temple as seriously as they should. But the covenants and the promises that you make there, that is your safety. That is your refuge. That is the way that God not only can show his love for you, but pour his blessings out upon you. And my mom, she works in the temple once a week. And she's been doing this for a while now, but I have just seen the difference in her entire life. Like she is like a new person. And so, you know, we're talking about like repentance and turning our heart and allowing the Lord to bless us. If you're someone that you're not really feeling God in your life presently right now, just be worthy of the temple or try to find a way to get there because it is truly a place where we're just encircled. In love, and and if you haven't been recently, you need to go. It's absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah, it's we're really really amazing. We just went not this weekend, but the past weekend. So good. And I would even add to your invitation that if you're not worthy to go to the temple, just go to the temple grounds and start going more frequently. And when you're first starting to try to fill the spirit and recognize him, you might go there and be like, "This is weird. I'm just sitting here, <laughs> right?" Like. I'm just sitting here. And what am I doing? And I think that's where the Lord's going to start to teach you like, okay, how do you feel when you're sitting here? Look around. What do you see? And he can teach you in little simple ways. Like look at that flower. Like that flower started as a little seed and grew, grew, right? And so there's just little things that you start to pay attention to. And then you'll slowly notice like your mom, you were saying, I'm sure it happened instantly, right? It was this gradual change of like, Oh my gosh, my mom is like shining like an angel. She's doing oh, so she good, right?
2: yeah. <laughs> so, and I she like it, later in these verses, it talks about burying our weapons of rebellion. My mom has done that, like to the point where she's even buried her like old self <laughs> in a way. Like she has just stripped herself of everything ungodly, and I just want to be like her. I mean, she's just she just radiates the spirit in every way. So, I love that.
1: If I may, you know, we're we're talking that. I love how Shelby, you're mm-hmm. talking about the beginning, the, the beginning steps, right? Just going to the temple grounds and, and being taught. And then, Meg, you've got an example of somebody who's buried their weapons of war, which is that's a, that's further down that path, mm-hmm. right? Because we, you know, we're it, it really goes it goes back to the scriptures here, right? Talking about the more part of the Lamanites coming to the lord and and doing the things and i i love this pattern in verses six and seven and in in verse six it talks about how they're striving with unwearied diligence that they may bring the remainder of their brethren to the knowledge of the truth therefore there are many who do add to their numbers daily so the Lamanites aren't just, I mean, the more part of them, but also growing to to be the entire population. And in verse seven, it, Samuel kind of, I mean, he lived it, right? So he knows what they did. He's And he's saying, you also know, because you've seen them. And some of you went and preached to them, which mm-hmm. caused them to do this uh, repentance, right? There's change of heart. But he describes that change of heart in detail. And he says, um, many of them are brought to the knowledge of the truth, right? So that's step one. You have to know, right? And to know of the wicked and abominable traditions of their fathers, they have to come to that realization that they've been led astray by, you know, their, their past, their, their fathers. They, hey, our, our fathers didn't have this right. And they're led to believe the Holy Scriptures. Wow. Right. Talk about the Book of Mormon in our day as being the cornerstone, right? Or the keystone, rather, of our religion. And also the prophecies of the holy prophets, which are written, which leadeth them to faith on the Lord, because that's where everything's pointing to, and unto repentance, which faith and repentance bringeth a change of heart unto them. And then they finally come to the point where they, they can bury their weapons of war. And I love in verse nine, it says they fear to sin and it's been a while. So we're going to bring it up. The, that that fear of God, Mm -hmm. right? Fear can have two meanings from the guide to the scriptures. One is to fear God and it's to feel reverence and awe for him and to obey his Mm -hmm. commandments the fear of man is like mortal danger and pain and um you know it's it's actually not expedient to be fearful um of of man and of the world right yeah
2: i definitely want to get to a point in my life where i fear the natural man <laughs> i fear you know i don't fear god but i fear who i am when i'm not following him and I, I want to make like being unshakable my default, <laughs> which it's not. It's not right now. But how how nice would that be if in the times that I'm struggling or if I'm going through something really hard, I just can be unshakable and I can fear God and not fear what man can do? Because I think for me that's where fear comes in when I have trials or when I have hard things happen. A couple months ago, I had a really heartbreaking trial. I was trying to figure out and navigate through. And it was never that I didn't, I I didn't know that God could help me. It was just, I didn't know if I had the capacity to overcome this. Like it wasn't that I didn't trust God. I just didn't trust myself. And, um, you know, reading these scriptures just reminds me that if we are trying to do what he says and, allowing him to be a part in our life, then we'll be able to escape that iniquity. We'll be able to just rip off the natural man and run to him. But if we're not, it's going to be harder for us to get out of that. And I questioned if I could, but I'm here today and I'm, I think if anything, it's made me stronger. And so I think if we are bearing those weapons of rebellion and armoring ourselves with God's power, we can get through those hard things. But if not, I, I don't know how people do it. Honestly, like, do you, I don't get how people don't have the church in their life and live life. Cause I couldn't. And even when I have the church in my life, I struggle. You know what I mean? It's like-
0: yeah. No, I totally know what you mean. I was talking to my mom about this. She literally said what you just said. I don't know how people don't live with the gospel and And I think the reason why a lot of us say that is because it gives us, and I've said this before on the podcast, it gives us perspective. It heightens our perspective from not just this life, but eternal life. Like what what are we actually doing here? (laughs) Like what is our purpose here? Why are we going through this really hard thing, right? And when you have an added eternal perspective, it will really lift your mind, right, to overcome and to be able to focus on the things that really matter. And realize that, and that doesn't negate, and I say that, it doesn't negate any of the feelings that you're going through in the moment because you are human and you're allowed to feel those things. It's just the, you know, Jesus Christ and his atonement, that strengthening and enabling power help us navigate so much more easier (laughs) than without it, right? And so Mm -hmm. that's why that, that we started at the beginning of the podcast. It is, and I said this in last week's podcast. You're delivering a gift to people by inviting them to come and to learn about Christ and repent because that's what enables you to change so much faster than you could by yourself because then you literally have the help of a God helping you move and change and navigate this life. So and I was going to add in verses 8 and 9 when it talks about them being firm and steadfast, steadfast in the faith. And the examples are given kind of in verse nine of what makes them firm and steadfast. And it's burying their weapons of war. Um, You know, they were feared to take up any sin. They fear to sin and they're not lifting their swords against them because of their faith in Christ. And those are the things that have led them personally to being firm and steadfast, right? Because that is their story. But our story can look a lot different right? Like there are certain things that we're bearing. They're not literally weapons, but they're other things. And there are certain sins that we probably never want to touch again after committing them, right? And and suffering the consequences. And so it's just a great way to maybe start to see what are the things that I can substitute in there for me and like in the scriptures unto myself so that I can become steadfast and firm moving along the covenant path.
1: Moving on through this chapter this chapter is just so good It's just so rich right um verse 11 is the next part where i i started kind of digging into some things and i mean the whole the whole verse is just there's a lot to go into so but what i highlighted it i said yeah even if they should dwindle in unbelief this is of course talking about the lamanites again even if they should dwindle in unbelief, the Lord shall prolong their days so there's there's a kind of grace that's extended to them because they need some extra attention And there's actually a verse that it it links to in Alma chapter 9 verse 16 and I want to read it and it says "For there are many promises which are extended to the Lamanites. For it is because of the traditions of their fathers that caused them to remain in their state of ignorance. Therefore, the Lord will be merciful unto them and prolong their existence in the land. So this is where my brain was going. And and de- please add y'all's two cents to this because I want to learn more about it. It's no secret, sh- certainly, to the people living in this time, that they they will eventually apostatize, right? Like the the prophecies show, you know, we, we take for granted in our day, the dispensation of the fullness of times that we will never again lose the gospel, the priesthood authority, you know, the establishment of the church, right? But these people, they, at least the people who are really in the know, they understand that this is a fruitful season in the vineyard and the Lord is doing everything he can in this time period but eventually we will fall away luckily there's a time a restoration of all things coming but you know specifically what what are I guess it goes back to that 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 intent right The Lord saying or his servant here saying for this intent, the intent of the Lord is to provide a time, you know, to ensure a righteous judgment, not only for the people living here, but also for the people to come. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I would add part of his intent is what Moses 139 to bring Mm -hmm. to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. And so everything that he does is based from that intention, right? He wants us to come back to him. And so I'm not sure necessarily what your question was, but I feel like these verses, he's saying, okay, like you said, the time is going to come. And I do have a plan put in place for later when I know that they're not necessarily going to be the most righteous, right? And so his intention is everywhere in the plan of salvation of getting us to come back to him. Those are just some of my thoughts after listening to you.
2: I love that. I was listening to another podcast and I listened to so many, so I don't even remember which one this was. But in verse 13, it says, and this is according to the prophecy that they shall again be brought to the true knowledge, which is the knowledge of the Redeemer and their great and true shepherd and be numbered among his sheep. And he was saying that this isn't the instance where Jesus leaves to see the 99. This is the instance where the 99 leave him. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) that's a cool way to think of it. I think that Jesus will never force us to be refined by his pure intentions. He's never going to force us to come unto him. And that's, that's always so, I can't imagine how he must feel. Like I can't imagine how he must feel on the days that he just wants to help us. And he knows he's the only one that can, and we just don't let him. And It's, I don't know what the Nephites were going through during this time of life. I don't know what could have happened to them that could have caused them to harden their hearts so much, but I do know that life has heart hardening moments. And so I, can I ask you guys a question? Is that okay? If you ever feel like your heart is being hardened, like what are some ways that you do to get out of that?
0: That's a really good question. Do you have any thoughts? Yes. Okay, go. I was like, I had this thought that Kevin I'm knew I'm sorry to put you on
2: the spot. <laughs>
0: no, 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 you're good. Go ahead.
1: No, I mean the the reason that it comes to my mind immediately is because yeah, I mean I'm I'm one of the most imperfect, stubborn <laughs> people that I know. And so yeah, when when I feel that my heart is being hardened, I I want to look at the situation from multiple perspectives, right? We always use the very typical, like getting mad at somebody on the road, example, right? Well, you know, hey, l- let me first, frankly, forgive them, right? Which means that I'm I'm not really concerned about the consequence of their action anymore. I'm not letting uh, their decision create some inescapable Uh, destiny for me right and so I understand that they didn't have the same perspective as me and and what what were they thinking and how can I how can I put myself in their shoes to maybe um, add a little bit more thought to that or just another thought to that if I'm if I'm seeing an issue from multiple perspectives then I know I'm getting somewhere and I know that there's no way that I can be hardened against something that I am at least trying to understand.
0: I love that he said that because what came to my mind, the times that I feel like I start to feel my heart get hardened are when I don't understand. That's when I feel, at least for me, where I'm like, Oh no, I don't, I don't get this. And so if it doesn't make sense to me, it must not be true or like whatever it is. Right. Or oh my gosh, I don't know, just all those feelings start to come into my mind. And I feel like right there, you have an opportunity to go one of two ways. You can either be a Nephi and go inquire of the Lord, or you can be like Laban and Lemuel and be like, it still just doesn't make sense to us. And then you can have a Nephi come to you and go, well, did you ask the Lord? Well, the Lord didn't even tell us. And it's like, okay, well, (laughs) you have to go ask him. And so I feel like what's helped me not become, or like get to the point of being so hard-hearted is stopping and asking the Lord in that moment, like, Hey, can you give me some direction here? Because I really don't understand. And then that helps me. And without fail, he has always given me something to soften my heart and to keep me going always. Like I know that as much for sure. And that's my experience. I don't know about everybody else's, but if you have any Meg, I'm sure they would love to know. (laughs)
2: No, that's why I asked you. (laughs) But I do believe my mom told me once I was going through a really hard time in my life, and I've shared this story so many times. But it just—it truly just shaped my life. And she just said, "There's nothing that Jesus He can't heal. There's nothing." And I didn't believe her at the time because I'm like, "Yeah, but He can't heal this," and He did. So
0: I love that. I love that so much. Well, we're getting towards the end of the chapter here, and like I said. We we kind of left off in verse 13, but in 14, once again, there's that invitation to repent, right? He says he kind of says something a little bit harsh. He says, Therefore I say to you, it shall be better for them than for you, <laughs> except you repent. And that's because they were the ones that went and preached to the Lamanites, and now the Lamanites are more righteous than they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just a little recap there, almost like a sting. Um, but it can have the ability to definitely what's the word, it can have the ability to soften your heart in that moment, a little sting, or if you're not being receptive, it can make you a little more hard hearted too. But anyway.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like Samuel saying some some harsh things to the the Nephites in, in all of these chapters, but you know, as a representative of Jesus Christ, the only reason that he's there is because the Lord loves them and he loves them in such a pure transcendent way that like, they don't even understand. Like that's why (laughs) they get mad at him (laughs) because they don't understand. They're like, how could this, how could this guy love us when he's saying these things to us? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, you know, we have, we have a a young daughter right now and Maggie, you have, you have young children and, you know, just recently like Shelby and I were in the kitchen. We're, we're making dinner, right? We're in the process of making dinner and mm-hmm. our daughter, <laughs> Adeline is sitting in the middle of the kitchen <laughs> crying <laughs> because she's hungry. And I think to myself, like, that's, like, she doesn't know that we are putting all of our time into (laughs) preparing the food. Like, can't she, can't you just be patient, right? Mm -hmm. Can't you, but she doesn't, she has no way to to know Mm -hmm. that what we are doing, her parents, what we're doing is working uh, for her benefit. And. You know, that 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 was just like a a glimpse, a momentary glimpse in the chaos of the day that I was able to learn a little bit more about my father in heaven and how he must feel in in, you know, his majestic way about me. Mm. Right. I
2: love that. There's so many like little parenting moments where I'll say like, be patient. Why can't you just wait? And I feel like God's going, mm-hmm. like, why can't you, you know, like just kind of the, the parent bond you've got going on. But I love that you said that because as she was waiting and crying and frustrated, you guys were working. You guys weren't just sitting there. And that's how God is in our life too. Like maybe you're waiting for an answer or maybe you're waiting for peace, or maybe you're waiting for someone to ask you for forgiveness. You know, whatever you're waiting for in life, God is working and he's working on those people's hearts and he's working on our hearts. And one thing I've learned with trying to raise kids is that I don't want them to just do things because I tell them to do them. I want them to feel them. I want them to have that real intent and gain empathy and not just have blind obedience and obligation and in a lot of ways, the Lord is asking us to do this too. you know like He wants us to be like His son, but not just be like him, feel like him. Like you know the WWJD like what would Jesus do? uh uh-uh. uh what would Jesus feel? And then that will affect what we do after. so yeah
0: I love that. I really like that sense of putting it it's almost more of putting himself, putting yourself in the other person's shoes because yes. mm-hmm. then that really allows. And you mentioned this earlier coming, but it just allows the feelings to come in. Like if I were going through this, what would I be feeling right now? And you even said it earlier, if I were in the crowd and I had a family, like, how would I feel? I love that so much. I'm going to try I'm going to try that throughout my week this week. (laughs) That way I can get better at it. So my daughter gets older. I can teach her. So I love that.
2: Right. When we want to raise our bow and arrow, we're like, oh, maybe not. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Well, speaking of which, so yeah, next week is is the iconic mm-hmm. chapter, you know, within the the Samuel the Lamanite uh, chapters, where you know the people get mad they they want to they want to draw their arrows right and and prepare their stones, but we're we're not there yet. We have to wait. We're gonna study, mm-hmm. and we invite you you all to study with us. And um, and of course, we just we want to extend our gratitude for Meg coming on and and just studying and pondering the scriptures with us and just adding so much to to our conversation and to to this record that we're keeping.
0: Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and tell us where we can follow you on social media if our listeners want to go? See more of me where can they find you?
2: <laughs> so I'm mostly on Instagram and that's kind of my personal page but I call it a little bit of everything. There's not one niche. There's a lot of gospel, there's a lot of crafting, there's a lot of bloopers, but that's on Meg ZB 1010 And then on YouTube, that's just where I just share the gospel <laughs> the whole time. And that's eggs with Meg on YouTube and Eggs with Meg on TikTok. And TikTok is Tick Babylon. So if you are a member that has a TikTok, hop on there because there are so many people that need God. <laughs> there are so many people that need Jesus.
0: <laughs> it is true. We have yeah. recently ventured onto TikTok. Uh-huh. And I felt like we needed to. And, like, my first video, I got, like, instant hate. Oh, yeah. I was
2: like, what you're cold. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so head over there. Go go find uplifting members. Go find me yes. on there, guys. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so We're I'm all really in this
2: together. There. We're all in it together. <laughs>
0: we are. We are. But thank you so much. And for our listeners, we'll be back next week with Helaman16. So have a good night, everyone. Bye, y'all. Thanks. My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life.